Let's talk about the future of news. I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. The state of journalism today. Telling both sides of a, of a controversial story. I think we must be unbiased. It's uh, honesty, fairness, uh, truth. That is our job. That is our job. That is our job. Last week, for the first time in my professional life, I didn't do something and now I regret it forever. I didn't go to Madison Square Garden. I didn't watch Katie Taylor beat Amanda Serrano in one of the greatest fights of all time. I could explain to you why I didn't do that, but that's of no interest to anybody and it's of no comfort to me. But a man who did go there is one Mr. P.T. Carroll. And I I spoke to him all last week about the FOMO, the fear of missing out that I had. So I figured that this will be my my 40 days in the desert and he can tell me the whole story of that man magnificent week in, in uh, New York City. PT, you're back from New York. How are you? How's the jet lag? I'm doing great, actually. Yeah, I, I slept for 16 hours, 16 <laughs> hours yesterday, Phil. So I'm bouncing back. And I just like to say, and I know all of you are probably wondering where Phil was last week, as I was. I did my very best to convince him in the last 48 hours leading up to my flight to go. And I thought I had him. I so thought close. I had him briefly. So close. Very close. I was on Skyscanner. And you know what? It wasn't the price of the flights. It wasn't anything like that. It was just... I don't have a time machine, right? And I couldn't get back in time for what I needed to get back for. And that was it. And, and like, the unusual thing is, like every other time this has happened in my life, PT, I've gone, you know what? F- I don't care. Fuck it, right? The sporting event, the, the place where history is being made, that's where I am. That's who I am. That's who I want to be, right? And this time I didn't do it, right? So let's let's wind the clock back. When did you head to New York City last week and why? I, I went to on Wednesday and I was there uh, as a part of the Ring Around May show, which I do with Ariel Hawani and Chuck Mendenhall. You've probably never heard those guys. Very, very minnows. The minnows. of I, I think it's good of you to sort of take these newcomers on board and sort of build them up with your brand. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> but uh, I went with those two legends, obviously. Um, I'm the third wheel in that podcast, but uh, very proudly. And we went as it would have been the first time that we were all in the same room together since we started this, the podcast last July. And what an event to do with that. <clears throat> Based on the name, it's the Ring Room MMA show. You'll understand that this is not our usual beat as well. So to pick this one to be the time that we all come together seemed strange. But as the week went on, as we had our first podcast at the World Trade Center in the same room, um, 70 floors up, my, my ears popped on the way up to the, the, the Spotify HQ. We did it there at the World Trade Center. The next night, uh, Jack Dempsey's, we had a a meetup with, with listeners of the show and with Ariel's other crew at the MMA hour. And then Saturday we had the fight itself. So it was absolutely amazing. And of course on Wednesday, Phil, when I got in, I had to do some extensive research within the Irish communities of Queens to just get a feel for what it meant for them. And, you know, I can tell you now that I extensively covered this as much as you've seen me extensively cover these events in the past. I heard it was points in double figures, but we won't go into that. This is, there's a risk of this being a six-minute podcast there because you just rattled off everything you did, right? <laughs> Let's go back and start. How did an MMA podcast end up doing its first live get everybody in the one room thing at a boxing show, Peter? Who, whose idea was it to cover Katie Taylor's fight in Madison Square Garden? Ariel Hawani will tell you it's his idea, but it was actually Chuck Mendenhall's. Chuck it was Mendenhall's. Chuck's said this off the cuff one day i think back in february when it was announced or january was announced he'd be like hey joking completely joking that would be a great time to do our first meetup this massive historic boxing event and we all laughed how we laughed phil but then suddenly (laughs) ariel got it into his head i I literally don't think i've met a bigger katie taylor fan from outside of ireland than ariel owani he's been blown away with her ever since he saw that video of her surprising a child on the late late show and the whole how wholesome it was he said like it's a throwback to 60s 70s tv like you'd see clips from the past of just how wholesome that it that that clip was of katie coming out and the girl crying when she's meeting her and then it, it got him to start going like well why, why does this uh athlete mean so much to this country and that of course is a a very long process to to explain to people but basically for me as i've always told told him Katie Taylor is the most unanimously adored athlete Ireland has ever produced as far as I'm concerned. And, um, you know, he can see that there. He he understood that. And then with the Jake Paul influence coming from the Serrano corner, it started to become more of an MMA thing. Serrano, of course, has competed three times in MMA as well, has two wins by submission. Mm-hmm. Um, so that gave us enough, I think, to, that we could make this an event that we went to. Certainly in our heads, 
And thank God, because uh, it turned out to be a, a massive triumph over there for us. Are, are there no adults working at the ringer or at Spotify who would have gone, hang on a fucking second, you chancers? Nobody well, did I, that. Did, nobody know, ever we, cried, stop. When you're breaking records like we are, Phil, you know, when we're breaking records for Bill Simmons, right, left, right and center, they kind of have to, you know, listen to the likes of Helwani when he comes up with these master plans every now and again. And, but what was um, the idea of doing this, right? You know, I know you've always you've all been looking forward to getting back in one place and doing events together. You know, I think Ariel is kind of not in a hurry to get back into the UFC sphere or going to, you know, standing there backstage interviewing people while other fights are going on. I think everybody's beyond that now. But there is magic, you know, when everybody gets together. Was that what you guys were looking forward to? Were you really looking forward to sitting down in one room? Because the backdrop, this event being the biggest female fight ever in Madison Square Garden, and fucking scratch that. It's one of the biggest fights ever to happen anywhere. So, you know, we'll get that out of the way to begin with. But was that the sort of the... um, debate if you will was that how you managed to sell it into the ringer that they'd pay for all these flights and hotel rooms and champagne dinners and pints in queens <laughs> yeah, yeah they, don't, i don't know if i'll be invoicing them for that night in queens but, um, <laughs> but uh, you could bust bill simmons with that <laughs> yeah there's uh there was certainly that was the feeling we needed to get us all together for an event where you know we like Ariel certainly had a lot to do with that event. Like, I mean, I'm blown away by the amount of stuff he was doing. We kind of shadowed him on Thursday at the press conferences and subsequently for the face off face to face he did with uh, Jake Paul and Eddie Heron. And um, I, I think it just gave us some freedom as well. Like, I mean, we didn't know if there was going to be a post show, but because of the, the, the pre fight went so well for us, we, we ended up doing one in the bells of the arena, right beside the Lakers locker room. And as we're doing Next the, the show, yeah, uh, <laughs> like Tony Bellew's walking past Jake Paul's walking past Katie Taylor actually walked past as soon as we finished the show and she thanked Ariel for all his work during the week it was just it was just one of them ones where I have to say like it didn't make sense like because it's a boxing event but it couldn't make more sense in hindsight like everything that happened was just perfect and um we couldn't be happier with how the week went it seemed to me from the very beginning Peter that um when Katie was announced to be fighting Serrano. I got onto my people in New York and I pulled the strings and I was accredited pretty much immediately for that fight. And since then, they've been sort of offering me stuff, right? So Katie was hugely available. Jake Paul is very much available. Serrano is very much available. They really seemed to want this fight to be on everybody's lips. So what was it like being behind the scenes of that machinery, seeing um, Ariel sitting down with Amanda Serrano, seeing Jake Paul sitting down with Eddie Heron? How did you, what was the experience of being there like? It just felt so different to MMA events now. Like, as we know, the, the UFC have made their money with that ESPN deal. And as much as I love being back there at London and seeing all these great fighters have this magnificent night at UFC London in, in March, Patrick's weekend, um, you know, I've been covering these guys since they're teenagers to see them rise to the occasion and have this amazing moment where the, the eyes of the, the combat sports world are fixed on them. That was all magic. But to go to this boxing event, and see how different they did press and see how readily available, as you mentioned, and to see how much spectacle they tried to bring to this event, this historic event. It really kind of made me feel how, you know, the UFC aren't going out of their way anymore. It feels like, as Ariel and Chuck have been saying about Dana White, he's ran the race. Like, you're not seeing him put himself out there the way Eddie Hearn does. You're not seeing him take the risks that Eddie Hearn has. Like, there's so many people I saw during the week when Ariel did that face-to-face um, saying, like, why why are Eddie Hearn and Jake Paul taking center stage here? It, it was a stroke of genius because it made it the most viewed fight in women's history. You can't tell me that their back and forths, their, the little bit of metal between those two didn't attract more people to this fight. And um, Hearn, in the first place, getting into business with Jake Paul, this guy is, from his first fight, Eddie Hearn promoted it. For him to get into business with him and see the positives he brings to the, spe- the table, despite the amorphous... Um, negatives that also seem to be there for the sport. I, I think, you know, he, he has certainly proved himself to be the one of the best promoters in the sport, if not the best promoter in combat sports over this past week. So, um, yeah, that's that's my big takeaway. Like, his passion, uh, the influence of Paul, and how they know how to mark an event in boxing uh, stood out for me compared to the UFC. Like, the UFC has two title fights this weekend. Gaethje v. Oliveira, Nami Yunus v. Esparza, you know, you have Chandler and Ferguson on the undercard and they're just going to trot them out the way they always do. There's going to be no significant uh, highlighting of them being in 
Arizona this weekend, whereas the fact this was Madison Square Garden, this was the, the biggest fight in women's history is just driven down your neck the mm. second you get there, the second you touch base there. The, the people in the city, the diasporas, the Irish and, and the, the Puerto Ricans, so passionate, you know, everyone's shouting at each other in the street, all in good spirit. But, you know, like you can tell this means so much to people. It was just something I hadn't seen in so long. And, and the reaction then afterwards, the 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 body splayed all over Midtown from the Irish who traveled over as usual. <laughs> like it, it, it just it just made me feel like I'd attended something magic. And everybody that was there was focused on making a magic event and they absolutely executed it. Yeah. We'll get on to Jay Paul in a second, but I have to say Eddie Hearn is somebody that I kind of didn't really like and I didn't really respect until this week, right? Because very, very few promoters walk the walk the way he has done this week. It wouldn't surprise me if he didn't make a dime out of that fight, right? Because they did everything. They had a face-off at the top of the Empire State Building on Tuesday. They did the weigh-ins. They did uh, all the TV stuff. He, like, you know, he even turned up on Ariel Hawani's MMA hour on Monday for like, you know, Never heard of that minutes. show. Was it that, that a big I, show It's or? this very niche thing. I don't know. He's about you yeah, know, five yeah, subscribers. Says, I mean, I'm yeah. really only giving him the shout-out to try to build an audience for the chap. I feel sorry for you know. <laughs> But, and, and, you know, and Eddie Hearn turned up on it. You know, this is the thing. Yeah, amazing. It's, just, it's unbelievable what the man would do. But how did you, did you have any dealings with him? Did you bump into him at all? Like, were you impressed by how he worked yeah. there behind the scenes? Like, I mean, when I walked in, my first press uh, duty was on Thursday at the press conference. And when I walked in, he was just standing there at a dais and he had every single media outlet lined up to speak to him. And he spoke to every single one of them. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, Ariel, who was working for the zone, obviously that week with the with the uh, the face off, things like that. Same thing with him. He had a massive line trying to speak to him. Jake Paul, the same. He's just out there mixing us with us regulars and talking about the fight. Then Heron comes out with the whole undercard. Like, do you? How many fights do you think Dana White could name for me right now on the UFC two seven four undercard this weekend? Uh, none from the early prelims. Yeah, none from the prelims. And probably none from the main card either. <laughs> maybe three, right? You might <laughs> maybe the three, words. the top three in the card. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> like Eddie walks out with these fighters and obviously I don't cover boxing. Like I, I never went in here as like, I'm going to teach these guys about boxing. I knew I'm, I'm a passenger here for the most part, but I knew I could speak about what it means to Irish people, what Katie Taylor is to Irish people. I think you're kind uh, of you undersell yourself as well. You know what you're looking at, you know? Uh, I, uh, slightly. but Much more so than a certain Chris Mannix who was working for the zone. Ah, uh, don't get me started on him. But uh, he, 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 you know, yeah. when, when he showed up, because he actually does a lot of work for NBC Boston and being a Celtics fan, I am very familiar with his work. And he turned up and went, no, I know he does a lot of boxing as well. But it's like, Chris, no, no, don't do this. But anyway, I started thinking I was going mad because I was watching the fight live and then his scorecard flashes up at the bottom. And me and Chuck were after giving the first four rounds to Taylor. And then yeah. we see he's giving the first four to Serrano. I'm like, hey, am I watching the same fucking thing as everyone here? <laughs> Is he facing the ring? <laughs> yeah, this, this post fight's going to be a disaster. So he did two and a half hours worth of interviews with the, the credentialed press. So they're all queuing up to speak to him. They're queuing up to speak to Jake Paul. And they're all mixing it among us regular folk. And then after that two and a half hours, he gets up on stage and he, he introduces the whole under to the to the journalists and the and the fans there. And after that, then, of course, comes the main card with the, the, the big sponsors, everything like that. So, I mean, to see him go about his work, I just thought it was a massive spotlight on Heron. And, and how passionate he is for the sport, which is quite different to what we see Mr. Dana White doing these days, right? Like, I mean, Dana Dana has himself a guaranteed contract there with ESPN. He has himself an amount of money. He doesn't need to break himself to make an event feel more special. But when you're, at genu- when you're actually at a special event and you see how special it is, and then we have to go back to watching the UFC have the, I have a brilliant card this weekend, but they will do absolutely nothing special to market. Mm. It made you feel like you're at an even more special event than it was, and it was already full of history and spectacle and um, and just novelty, I suppose, ahead of this huge fight. One of the reasons I wanted to, to get you back on this podcast, Peter, was because I wanted to give you your, your credit. I want to give you your props, right? You're going back over there with an MMA podcast that has become hugely popular because of the live on the whistle format. You go live at weigh-ins. You go live straight after events, right? And you actually had the chance to have a live meet and greet with the fans of your show and the production team and that in Jack Dempsey's bar in Midtown Manhattan. 
did you kind of, as you were going up the stairs there, I believe the blackboard actually said Peter Carroll and friends at the top of the stairs there, right? Did you kind of think, yeah, I'm back. I, I made oh, it again. I was actually, do you know what? I was daunted when I saw that outside of like, you know, every, look, the, everybody's there to see Ariel Owani. Let's be honest. Like it's two of his crews that are there and um, my name is on the door. It's because our friend Ashling we met in 2016 in Dempsey's, she organized the forest. So I think the fact that I was the link there to Ashling put made them put that at the door. So when I saw it, I was like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Two points in, I was downstairs taking pictures with it and everything, Phil. I thought it was the funniest <laughs> thing in the world. And then uh, anyone who asked for a picture of me, I walked promptly over to Ariel Lawani, gave him my phone. I said, here, we take a picture of me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been doing that. I've been doing that for the goods of a decade for Ariel. So it was only winding them up, but... Uh, it it was uh it was unbelievable yeah walking to Dempsey's I felt like it was the start of one of them comedy specials Did you ever see it when they do the walk from their hotel room to the venue <laughs> and they have the camera following them that's what I felt like but uh yeah it, it was really really special it was special like I mean a lad from Blanchestown going up to the 70th floor of, of the World Trade Center to record a podcast like I, I they could barely get me away from the window I was just looking out going oh my god oh my god you know I couldn't believe it it's old hat to the likes of Ariel and Chuck who've been doing this kind of stuff for years but I my, you had to get my jaw off the ground before I could and make sure it was still working before I could do that podcast I remember getting the the underground in from Queens, uh, staying on Ditmars Boulevard in Queens back in the nineties, and coming up at Thirty Fourth Street and just looking up. And you know the way you just keep fucking looking up because these are the biggest buildings you've ever seen in your life. And you were up there on the seventieth floor with Spotify. How did the Spotify people treat you? Seeing as you've now taken over what was the green room and is is now Spotify Live. I mean, they were all great. I mean, we finally got to meet Corporate Paddy, uh, who's been a who's been a a massive fixture in our success. Who's who's been the guy saying like, I know we do these NBA things, but these MMA guys, they they certainly command an audience. And to meet uh, Paddy, Paddy was meant to stay until Friday, and after listening to our podcast on the Thursday, he decided he was going to stay and watch the fight. Oh, wow. So he had a brilliant he's obviously has an irish roots with a name like patrick muldowney i mean it speaks for itself <laughs> but he was just blown away by the whole thing and you know he, he's been so good to us and uh you know tst there troy as well chuck me and ariel it was just perfect it couldn't have went any better he was delighted with how everything went and uh you know who knows maybe if this fight happens in dublin we might get a few lads over from the u.s this time so i can be showing the ropes instead you know you just have to find a really big building that everybody can go up in and you can show them the city from there, you know? That's the Liffey lads. That's all we have. There's <laughs> <laughs> a Hackney Bridge. There's another few like it. That's it, you know? Um, this thing of, you know, when they're talking about the NBA podcast and that kind of thing, your audience compared to them. Now, obviously, MMA is niche, a niche sport. Some are still arguing it's still not even a sport. You know, how do they look at you guys? Are you guys the big success story that you keep telling me that you are? Or are you sort of, you know, the, the, the Vauxhall Conference of Spotify's live... Uh, no, I think I like we've been told a few times, um, and I hope I'm not uh speaking out of turn saying this, but Patrick is like, you know, he's the he's the top cat there. He actually hates me calling him a, uh, my boss, but I'm gonna do it all the time now because he's always good to show respect. So, so my boss, corporate Patty Patrick Muldowney, has told us that like every podcast now they're trying to use the Ring Around MMA show as the blueprint for what that podcast is that's what they want them to be now i know they brought in some huge heavy hitters um you know from from u.s sports obviously bill bill simmons is uh gonna be really good for the recruitment in that field i know they have kevin clark there who's doing the formula one podcast now he does lots and lots of sports podcasts for them and um, he does the ringer nfl show which i which i was managed to really get into and actually helped me understand the sport in my first uh, year watching the nfl last year and uh, I believe they have a really popular fantasy football uh, draft, or maybe it's just fantasy football podcast now, which is commanding similar numbers, we'll say, uh, Phil, to the Ringer MMA show anyway. But they still haven't hit that 13,000 live number that everyone's... Undefeated, you know, every undisputed. <laughs> We've set the bar too high. They don't have a chance, to be honest. But I mean, it it's great to see those kids out there trying. Fantastic. The weigh-ins <laughs> on Friday, Peter. Uh, they were at uh, Madison Square Garden, right? The Hulu Theater, yeah. So the the one that Mick Conlon fought his debut in the smaller theater, yeah. uh, what, that was. What was the atmosphere like there? Was there many Irish had made it to town and were still sober enough to make it to the weigh-ins? Because usually those things happen around four or five o'clock. There's free tickets in the afternoon. People have a few beers. They go down there. Uh, we've seen many uh, many's away in with Conor McGregor that has been absolute pandemonium. So what was it like for Katie? 
I'll tell you what, Phil, like maybe it's because I'm not in the boxing circle as much, but I had no idea. Like from the, the I only kind of began to get an idea of what this fight would mean on Tuesday. So the Tuesday before I left, and um, so I left on Wednesday. So the day before I had to go and get a COVID test. And I went in, tried to book an antigen test. I was looking everywhere, I couldn't find any times. Like, Jesus Christ, what's going on here? Booked one on Dawson Street for 1130, went in. A lovely girl called Farah took my test. And I knew it was big when she said to me, oh, you must be on the 11 o'clock flight tomorrow. And I said, uh, how, how did you know that? And she said, well, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she said, every single person that's come in here this week and every person that's booked this week is going to the Katie Taylor fight. And I was like, wow, are you serious? She said, yeah, absolutely. Every boots in Dublin is booked up for COVID tests because every it seems every person is booking it to go to the Taylor fight. I arrive at the airport then on Wednesday. I'm checking my bag. For some reason, I couldn't check in online. Had to check in there. Went to check in my bag. And as I'm as I'm checking in, uh, two lads there are, are checking me in. They're like, are you heading over just for our holidays? I was like, no, I'm going, going to the Taylor fight. He goes, geez, you must be you must be the 200 person that said that to us today. Wow. And they, and there's only, you know, about a thousand people flying out to the US today. So, I mean, <laughs> that was, that was incredible. And I was there very early. So then I get there, I get to Queens and I'm meeting all these Irish people. I'm like, holy shit. And, and Ashley, who I told you I met in 2016 at the MSG fight, she said, this is the closest thing I can feel to it. Like yeah. where it feels like everybody's coming in. I believe she had, a couple from Tyrone sleeping in our one bedroom apartment with her, you know, uh, just so they could come over and see the fight. And then as I'm going around there, I'm just seeing more Irish accents every day that went by Thursday, the press conference comes. Here's a lot of tricolors, but at the weigh-in, I was on 28th street. As we know, um, MSG is around 31 to 32 around Penn mm-hmm. station there. I was walking up my five minute walk up and I just start hearing the accents, start seeing the tricolors everywhere. It felt like every person I was seeing in Midtown was either an Irish accent or, or a tricolor. And I was like, holy shit, this is going to be big. It was already like in Queens, the people that made me aware of how the Puerto Rican community is just as strong as the Irish there. Mm-hmm. And it was only when they all like, I mean, 10 seconds into the way and when they opened the door, it just burst in. It was coming from both <laughs> sides. The, the blue, red, and white of Puerto Rico, the the red, the red green, white, and gold of Ireland. And then they come in, and this singing battle happens. So Ireland have their classics. You know, they're going, ole, ole, ole. Puerto Ricans have a way sexier way of doing things. I don't even know what the song is, but they had <laughs> drums with them and everything. They're up dancing. And so it would go in, in like, as soon as the ole, ole start, the drums would start, and this would start. Then Becky Lynch, the, the WWE star, comes out on, on the stage, and She's doing this massive introduction for Katie Taylor and um, Bianca Be- Bell or Belair, I believe her name is. I'm not the biggest wrestling fan. Introduced Serrano, and the place was just a fever pitch. Like they were doing these things that they didn't need to do. They were, mm-hmm. They're going out of their way to highlight the importance of this event. A video rolls with all these famous uh, sporting females, Billie Jean King, uh, all these people talking about how, how glad they are to see this moment happen. These two females take center stage at Madison Square Garden. And by the time the fighters actually got up on the stage, we were fit to be tired. The whole everybody, like I mean, you could see it was even funny watching. Like the, there's this influence that Jake Paul has brought. Obviously, with the, I could see like you know this, this WWE thing has probably got its you know its opportunity through guys like him coming in from different backgrounds. And you could see people like Ariel, big smiles on their face. And then you could see the boxing press going, "Oh, what's this about?" But at the same time, when you're a media guy, it's something to talk about, right? I don't care how you feel about it once you feel about it. You know, and that's exactly. what they were doing. They were making people, they were making people consider how they felt. They were making people, did we like this? Did we not like this? Much more than what we saw at UFC London, which in its right was a historic event for that historic group of fighters from the UK. But it was just like any other media day. Up there, let's trot them out one at a time, one at a time. And that was a great event. I loved it. It was my first event back in a long time. But in terms of spectacle, marking an occasion, this event pissed all over it, you know? How much of that is Jake Paul coming from YouTube, coming from TikTok, coming from almost a generation that you and I will never understand what appeals to them? It's look, I I completely get it that people hate him in boxing. I completely get it. And I completely get it that people hate him in MMA. But once again, he is giving you skin in the game. And the guy knows how to do that. Like when I saw him do the face to face with Heron and Ariel, I was blown over by the three lads' professionalism, Ariel, Eddie, and Jake. 
walk into a room and start shooting straight away. No bullshit, no questions. What are we going to talk about? This is how it goes. And they're immediately at each other's throats. You know, like straight away, Eddie's offended his boxing. You know, Jake is is now firing back, talking about his boxers. You know, and, and a lot of people are saying, like, why are these guys being put on center stage and not Taylor and Serrano? But the, the reality of the situation is Taylor and Serrano are not going to do that. They do not like doing media. And to make this have 1.5 million eyeballs on it, on um, or 3 million eyeballs, um, give or take, <laughs> should I say, on uh, on Saturday night, they needed to be a part of this. And I, I've struggled to understand Jake Paul. I, I think I've got a good handle on him now, but when he first kind of started these MMA fires, things like that, I struggled to understand it. And I definitely understand it now. But it took balls from Eddie Hearn to be the guy to bring him in here. Like, this is, this is a guy that old school boxing people detest. They hate everything that he's doing. As far as they're concerned, he's not a boxer. He hasn't fought in one boxing match. These guys are not boxers that he's fighting. For Eddie Hearn to... First of all, he promoted his very first fight against another YouTube guy. But to bring him in and put him center stage at this event was a stroke of genius because we don't see it, right? You're a sports guy, Phil. I'm an MMA guy for the most part. I'm not even a boxing guy. That's why I didn't realize the Irish were coming over. Mm-hmm. But Eddie Hearn recognizes that this guy has his finger on the pulse of something completely foreign to us. And whatever that is, it's bringing a whole new set of fans to first MMA and now boxing. And well, sorry for Jake, I guess boxing first, then MMA and now boxing again. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. And, and seeing Hearn do what he did with Ariel and stuff like that. Like, uh, like there's no way he's not the best guy doing it at the moment. There just isn't. Yeah. And as Chuck and Ariel said, he has yet to run the race. Dana White has. He's already done everything. He's already completed his course. Eddie Hearn is still out there trying to do something. And that's really, really interesting to watch. I think that's what struck me about Eddie Hearn over the last two or three weeks is that he doesn't need to do this and he still does it. And he does it for the love of it. You know, he's doing it to make that history. He wanted... Like he wanted to be the man to bring Jake Paul in for the cold. He wanted to be the man to put Katie Taylor against Serrano on a Madison Square Garden. He's not the kind of guy, if you to quote the Steve Earle song, I ain't ever satisfied, you know? Dana White has so much money now, it doesn't matter anymore. He's made so much history that it doesn't matter anymore. And the time may come in 10 or 15 or 20 years for Eddie Hearn that he may be there as well. But the thing about him was on Monday when he was on that little known MMA hour show that that's what he was saying. Sunday morning you get up and you go, okay, I've done that, what's next? And that, to me, is where greatness lies. And it's seeing that thing. I go back to, I think it was at the 2014 Olympics. I remember covering snowboarding there and saying a few years beforehand, and I said the same thing about MMA around the same time. I remember saying to people I worked with, going, I don't care if you don't understand this, but you better find a fucking way of covering it because this is coming. And it's coming, and it's, you know, it's either going to run over you or you're going to get in this freight train. But either way, it's happening. And that's Jake Paul in boxing right now. It doesn't matter that I don't rate him as a boxer. It doesn't matter what I think of him personally people want to know and therefore we have to cover the story you know what's he like Peter when you've been in a room with him and you're watching him being interviewed and that kind of thing what what did you find him like I I didn't get to interact with him much but I I will say like Ariel brings us into this room where he's doing the face off and there's not a lot of people there it's about five people in there and me and Chuck took take a seat so that we can see the the full setup but we're not in the way Ariel can't see us we don't want to be distracting anyone um, you know, making funny faces at him or whatnot. But I'm talking to Chuck about the basketball because Chuck's, uh, like you, a huge basketball fan. He, he coaches basketball at home, everything like that. So I'm asking him about what, what games to watch and what who's sticking out this year to you. And next of all, I look around and there's a million people in the room. And I literally went to him, what the fuck is going on here? And then in front of me appears Jake Paul. And on the back of his top, as uh, Chuck pointed out, it said something like, fuck everything with no V in it. You know what I mean? It has the height, like the, 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 it's, it's like, a, it's just from, a, he's from a different planet. Like, you know what I mean? And we're looking at him and he's doing stretches. He's not even speaking, but this big audience is there. And then he gets up and he just does it though. He, he does the thing with Heron. And I know he's, he's taken the brunt of it on that, but you can't tell me that he's not aware of why he's going into all these times. And it's water off a duck's back. I'd say like, yeah. he doesn't give a shit. He's here to sell Serrano. Now, Ariel t- asked me like, does he have a presence? And when I think of presence, I think of Conor, uh, Conor McGregor. And when he walked into a room, how it would change a room and how every eyeball in the room would be stuck on him. He is not that, but he's he's definitely something. Yeah. You know, he, he he has a power to him. Um, I, I, I know what it is. I, I just don't know how to put it into words, but 
he understands his role in these things and he knows how to play it well. Yeah. And I don't think you can get anyone else to play a counterpart to Eddie Hearn right now, the way he is. Maybe Tyson Fury or someone like that, but not Jake Paul and Eddie Hearn being able to throw at him the lines that he's hearing from the boxing community and Jake Paul firing back, maybe not as potently, but still being there for the conversation made me think this kid's got something, you know? Mm. Fight night. Now, we all know that it doesn't matter what boxing event you go to, or at least you probably know this by now, right? Nobody watches the undercard, right? Nobody gives a shit. You know, you could, you could put them all on the car park and then just, you know, co-main, main event, that's it. When did you arrive at the venue? Did you do that thing of, oh, I'm experiencing history here, so I'll have to be there at three o'clock in the afternoon for the very first Puerto Rican dustman on the card or what? <laughs> no, you see, I, I was, again, I was busy researching the night before. Um, you're a you fucking know. A-lister now, so you're on the gargle, <laughs> and then had to be dragged out of your nest at about three o'clock in the afternoon. Busy researching, all right, is where I'd like to put it. Um, I was with my boss, so I can't get in trouble. That's why I said it again, Patrick Muldowney, if you're listening to this, my boss, Patrick Muldowney, kept me out. And then um, Ariel's, it was Ariel's son's birthday on the day, and if you know Ariel, he's a very, very, he's a big family man. And um, wants to be there for all the birthdays. So he kind of told me straight away, he's like, I'm not going to get there until about 7 p.m. The only duties we had on the night was to record the podcast after. So I asked Chuck when he was there again, he was at home coaching his son's team, I believe. So that he said he'd get around the same time. So I got in there about 7.30 and the, the main car kicked off then at 8. So I, I was there for, you know, four or five fights. And um, exactly as you're saying, we're looking around the arena going, Jesus, like, I mean, Vargas and Beefy Smith, which is an incredible fight, was the second uh, to the top. So, I mean, that's the fight just before Taylor and Serrano are going to come out. And I'm still looking at a big patch of seats that are completely empty where the ring is. And I'm thinking, mate, if this looks like this when the Taylor fight's on, this is going to be a shame. Like, they, they can't do this. Then I look on my WhatsApp. Every Irish person I know that's over here for the fight is texting me the typical Irish thing. I've told them all the latest this fight can happen is 10.15. At 10 past 10, I'm still getting the messages. Do you reckon it's going to start in time, though? Do you reckon it's going to start in time? Just trying to go to the bar one more time. Do you reckon I get another one in? Have I time I for going, another one? Oh, my God. I was like, mate, I'm looking at your seat. Come on, please. Jesus Christ, don't miss this. You'll Don't miss the walkouts. Don't miss the announcements. Don't miss the VT. You have to get in here. Um, they started rolling the VT then again with all the, the, the famous... Uh, Sports women speaking about the importance of this event. And by the time that finished, I looked down into that section and it was full. And I was thinking, that's perfect. That's amazing. Then New York by Ja Rule starts and out comes Serrano. And I, had, I was up in the gods, so but I was delighted I was because you get to see the pockets of the audience reacting. So yeah. literally half the people are going wild here for, for Puerto Rican uh, Serrano on the way out. Yeah. And then Katie comes out. And Katie's different in that Serrano plays, plays this crowd pleaser when she's coming out. Uh, yeah. The first song's New York. The second was, uh, it sounded like, you know, a, a song that meant a lot of, to Puerto Rican people. It sounded Puerto Rican to me or mm. had that kind of influence on the people all singing along. So that's what it meant. I expected fucking, you know, Katie to come out to the Foggy Jew as we see in McGregor. Where the something. streets have no name. Something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She comes out to this song that we later find out means a lot to her because Ross Enemy said, well, this is going to be the biggest moment of your career. And when you walk out, I just want you to feel happy. That's all I want you to feel. So pick a song that will make you feel happy. None of the crowd know what this song is, but it has this profound effect on the crowd. When she comes out, she I've never seen her take in a moment like she was. Um, really soaking in. And she was very stoic and regal. And she's she very slow walk. And I remember thinking, this is the queen. Like This is like the queen of boxing as arrived in the building. And I got goosebumps. And, you know, I was getting shivers. And before this, they had played the national anthems and it was very emotional. It was a yeah. very emotional experience for everyone that was there. There was people crying in the crowd. And then this comes after it. And of course, like not everyone's kind of talking about the song and saying, what the fuck is this, you know? Yeah. But when she's walking out, it just felt completely right. By the time she hit the, the ring, it was fever pitch. And then we're off to the races, man. Then, then the fight got underway and it went by like a locomotive. That two fight, minute rounds are deadly, aren't they? Mate, two minute rounds, me and Chuck are nearly giving out, right? First four rounds, we're going, Jesus Christ, going too quickly, isn't it? Fucking, fucking barely scored these, it's going so quick. 
fifth round, I'm like, this is the longest round I've ever watched in my life. <laughs> it lasted an hour, didn't it? <laughs> oh my god! I was like, suddenly we thought we were racing through them, and then the fifth were like holding our breath, like Jesus, are you gonna go out here? And um, it was just wild. From then on, it was like a frenzy. It was like that scene in Raging Bull where Scorsese is the smoke around the ring yeah. to convey the tension in the crowd, and the, the the cameras just spinning around, and you're catching a dig here, and you're catching a dig there, and you're missing a lot of it because you're reacting with people around you. Um, it was it was a Titanic fight, just a did, Titanic. Did fight. you see? When Katie got hurt, because I saw it, I saw the yeah, two yeah. shots. I went, "We're in trouble here. This is bad." Did you notice that at the time? Did you, could you sense yeah. the vibe in MSG? Yeah, like I mean, I just know because me and Chuck were, were talking, like you know, the whole way through. Oh, nice, you know, you know the way we usually do. We do it ourselves. Yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, that's a nice shot. Oh, she missed, whiffed on that one. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And then our knees buckled, and it was just silence, and we were just like, "Fuck." And everything, it felt like every you could hear a pin drop, and I'm sure it was very loud. But that's what was going on in my head was just like. Don't don't let this historic person get to this moment she totally deserves and then suffer the first stoppage victory of her career. Like that's what I'm thinking. Then I'm like, holy shit, holy shit. She barely makes it out around. And then I'm saying in six, like beginning the six, I'm like, this is gonna be this is gonna be hectic. Again, six six is pretty hectic, not as hectic as the fifth. But then in seventh, you, like, uh, which I still think Serrano won. I still think Serrano won the round. Towards the end of that round, you could see her kind of like, you know, the 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 output of of the fifth and sixth round where she was out punching Katie in the fifth, certainly by about 34 punches in the fight, which is crazy for Taylor to get out punches by. Yeah. Then in the seventh, you could see her winding down. And next of all, here comes the queen again. I've got you now. I, 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 you've given me your best shots and I'm going to take care of this. And that's, that's how I saw the fight. I know the, the, the first and second rounds are very close. I even heard some people had the four, but I had the first four rounds of Taylor, then five, six, seven for Serrano, then eight, nine, ten for Taylor. And mm. it was a very close fight. I'm not trying to say it's a walk in the park or anything like that, but that's the way I scored it. But an incredible, incredible fight. Yeah, I wrote somewhere that, you know, it was so tight that pretty much any score would have been acceptable because, you know, yeah, yeah. it was so tight in the first couple of rounds there. And Chris Mannix, in fairness, went on the second captain's podcast and he explained, look, I'm the kind of guy, when I see a big shot, I score that heavier than, you know, three or four shots that appear to do less Well, did he damage. not see the right hook to the body, left hook to the head that Katie Taylor landed in, in the third round? It's one of the best combinations of the whole fucking fight. That's why I was like, how are you giving... How are you giving the tour? Clearly he didn't. You know, I, I think yeah. that there's a lot of that as well in the moment. And this is why I kind of hate trying to score boxing. I remember being at the Kelly Harrington's Olympic fight. And after the first round, I knew where the round was going, but I was thinking, okay, if you were to ask me why I scored it that way, uh, especially the first round, you know, I knew she lost, but it was like, why? You know, I was going, okay. And was, you know the way when you're trying to motivate these things to yourself before you ever put a word down that you're writing about it, you know? But that fight, you know, it just seemed like, you know, towards the end, did you know? And again, I've already, I'm on the record of saying that any Anybody who says to me that they knew what the outcome would be at no. the end of that fight, whose hand was going to be raised, that is, is a liar, right? Did you know when they stood there and um, the, the announcer was making the announcement, did you know her hand was going to be raised? Did you have that feeling? Or what were you thinking at that moment? We were thinking it was going to be a draw. That's what me and me and Chuck, I look at, like, obviously Chuck's one of the best minds in, in combat sports. And he is far more rational having no skin in the game. Like, uh, mm. I inevitably did with a Katie Taylor fight. Like, I mean, it's... Like, this is what people don't understand in America. Like, this is an athlete that when she was in the world championships, before she even made it to the Olympics, we were wheeling the old telly and the video set in the schoolroom so kids could watch it. Like, this is a, an Irish institution. And when, when you see that many of your countrymen moved around you, it's impossible not to be, you know, feel it. It's impossible not to feel it and connect with it on some level. But um, so I, I think I was very, you know, for the first four rounds, I thought Katie won, but I knew they were close. I knew they were very close. I knew, I knew, like, I, I was very, Serrano has the best rounds of the, probably the fight in five and six. Seven, she won as well. Eight's close. Nine, ten, I thought they were Taylor's round, but even in ten, she she had one of them moments where her knees went. I thought she was dominating that round, mm-hmm. and then Serrano caught her at one point, point. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, so, me and Chuck, when we were tanging it up at the end, we were trying to go definite definite rounds and then leave the other ones empty like you know let's let's leave the other ones up in the air because you know in boxing you actually get the time like it's not it's not rushed like there's a lot of conversation going on there's a lot of kind of people in the ring shaking hands so we were kind of like this is perfectly set up to give a draw here and if boxing can give a draw much like they used to do with the old all out and replay they will fucking do the draw (laughs) so um 
we were we were kind of expecting that, but I, I did think Taylor won. Chuck thought Taylor won, but you know, we thought Serrano certainly had an argument. Yeah, well, I was the same. I thought it was a draw, and I thought like I could understand, as I say, any result. If they had said Serrano won, I probably wouldn't have cried robbery there. I kind of felt either the draw or that Katie just shaded it because the tenth round. And at the end, there, I do think that she more or less just punched herself out, like you know that she was so tired she nearly went down. And if she had gone down and they scored that as a knockdown, that would have been the fight gone. You know, like that would have been the end of it. You know, what was the atmosphere like? Now I know you had to go and do a live podcast for for Corporal Paddy straight away afterwards, right? But what was the atmosphere like? Like in the building when they put up her hand and said and still absolutely electric and again i have a video of it up from my vantage point where as it's a split decision so the four scorecards read out for serrano so you see pockets of the crowd going, <laughs> and then down and then the other fucking the, the rest of the people went yeah when it's taylor the second guard then it was it was taylor and the place exploded but what i was most what i love most about it was there was no ill will. Like, there was no Puerto Ricans kicking up shit because their girl didn't win. And as we said, she had an argument. You could understand if they were emotional after. But it seemed like just everybody didn't want to didn't want to spoil what, what we just seen. Like, everybody was immediately aware that this was a fantastic fight. Like, that's the one thing that everybody said. No matter what way it was scored, it was like, this was exceptional. This was... Like, for the platform, you needed a special moment. And it, it was more special than the moment I thought we were going to get, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that's me with the height of respect for, for Taylor as a boxer, uh, first and foremost. She's one of the most skilled boxers you'll ever see. But to have that fight when it really mattered, like, to have that war in this moment, it was I think, blew a lot of people's minds that we, you know, you've set it up, you've set it up. It nearly has to fail. We've set it up so big that it can't it can't honestly come close to what we think it will be right like that we've set it up so much we we we've juiced it up and it, it over delivered if anything you know and that that was the feeling like we we were briefly in the concourses making our way down to the locker rooms to meet uh, the great larry from msg who started out the room for us um and wild same scenes as we saw as 205 irish people singing uh good banter going with the puerto rican guys and, and girls in the in the the hallways too but then we saw larry and larry said that's the second best boxing match I've ever seen in this arena. I didn't even ask him what the first one was. I should have. But uh, that for me was enough. A guy who's been to all these sporting events talking about that event like that was uh, was crazy to me. And and look, as I said, I'm, I'm no authority in boxing, but I, I, I certainly would take Larry's word for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of the oracles as well. And there's something special yeah. about MSG. I have a great tendency of getting lost in that building. And you know, all the sort of the, the tunnels and concourse and everything else like that. But just as you go back out the main entrance there, if you happen to be with the home fans, with the Knicks or the with the Islanders or whoever have won there, like it's just, it really is amazing. You did your award winning, record breaking, top of Spotify live podcast, and brilliant it was too. What did you do for the rest of the night? Because I have to say, it was like six o'clock in the morning in Europe when I went to bed. I just couldn't sleep, Peter. What did you guys get up to? Well, I went, uh, we did the show. Um, and funnily enough, you know, Bellew, Jake Paul, they're all walking by Ariel waving as he's doing the podcast, which he made very clear on the podcast, as everyone knows. Everyone's there for terrible man for the name dropping, but we let that yeah. go. He's only young. Hobnobbing. He's a hobnobbing. Who are he is? He can't, <laughs> he can't help himself. But we finished the podcast and we're all giving ourselves, as, as Ariel said, the old Barry H. Well, great show. The old Barry Horowitz, as he calls it, tapping ourselves on the back. <laughs> we did a great job, lads. And Katie just appears then at the doorway. And Ariel, like she knows Ariel well because they've done a lot of work this week. And she's like, I just want to say thanks so much for tonight. And we're looking at this woman. It was after giving her body to this night. Like, I mean, what we saw in the fifth round to what we saw the, the, all night is here thanking Ariel Oani. And we were just, our jaws were on the floor, you know, we're like, thank you, Kate, Jesus, you know, it all happened in the in, in a second, but like she leaves then and we're all just standing there like, like for us, like guys like us were jaded, right? Like this, we've been around the biggest names in our sport so many years, like yeah. the Connors, the Habibs, like the, we've, we've been around them. We've like, I watched, Habib was sitting beside me for McGregor's fight at MSG with Eddie Alvarez. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is our proximity to these kind of guys. And, after that happened, we were like giggling, like, you know, like we're having a right little giggle like there in the, in the, the room after, oh my God, there's Katie Taylor, you know? Yeah. And I think what, what Ariel said to me really brought it home to me. Ariel is, you know, you, you know this as well. He's, he's very high on professional standards and ethics. Like he doesn't 
he likes to go as old school as he can really with his ethos and his ethics, which is, has to be respected. Um, and he said to us after that, he's like, it's the first time I've ever like been like a phone in hand, nearly like, will you take a picture with me? Like he said, yeah. like, that's what it meant to him. He's like, this is, uh, he goes, I'm thinking like for the rest of time, people are going to talk about this fight. Imagine if I had a picture with Katie Taylor, her face still banged up from the fight, like us in the hallway after doing it. He didn't do it, of course, because he is Ari Lawani at the end of the day. But just to, to see that electricity and that energy in him all week, to be yeah. fair, made it made it a very special thing to be around and lucky enough I, I was around him all week and i got to i got to tag along with him on, on all the big shoots he was doing i suppose we have to touch on this subject because it's the one thing that i absolutely hate after a night like that is going home it's you know like i got up the next day and i was Wait, actually, explain... I have a very go i have a funny going home story actually do it hit me with it well ariel as i'm telling you the professional standards uh that he has i, I walk back to his car with him and it was probably it was probably one thirty when we started off on our walk. And as he's going through the street, street people are topping him, stopping him, telling him how much they love him and how much he means to them. And I'm back on camera, Gio, your course, bang, bang, bang. He's being lovely to them all. We get in the car, and you know he's like, "So are you you were gonna go home now to bed?" He goes, "You know the Queen's performance on uh, Wednesday doesn't need to be replicated. All this kind of stuff." And I'm like, "Yeah, of course, you know." And I'm knackered. I'm this is grand. No, as soon as I'm out of the car, I walk up to the room and I'm I'm uh, I'm unpacking all my stuff. Who's on the blower? It's only corporate Paddy. When my boss tells me I have to go out and and look look for him in the streets of Midtown and to witness this amazing experience with him among the Irish, I had to go and it was like the last days of the Roman Empire. Phil, I've never. <laughs> I walk into this bar called the Celtic Rail to meet Paddy and and his lovely friend Bethany. I walk into it. There's a lad wearing the face of a girl simultaneously pouring a point down our back because he's that <laughs> locked. There's there's people on the ground. There's people on the ground in the street just going, like still singing songs, but there's just nobody around them just on their backs singing. As I'm walking towards the Celtic Grail, Phil, there's a young fella. He has a, I think, it, I don't want to say the county jersey because I couldn't tell you for sure. I, I, I forgot. You want to slander but... those good people. Yeah, but young, young, young man, 19 years of age, walking um, beside these two, two uh, very beautiful women, um, a lot older than he is. And he's trying his, he's trying his arm, he's chancing his arm and I'm admiring his work from, from far away. And one of the women turns around and said, listen, darling, you're 19. Come on now. This is ridiculous. Don't, don't do this. And the man had the greatest line I've ever heard in my life. He turns back to this woman and he says, one day we'll look back at this and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so I pissed myself laughing and he turns around, I've blown up a spot there fucking laughing at him. I left him to it, went into obviously corporate paddy then, but uh, absolutely. The, the, word, the word hero is much over you. Oh we should God. have pictures of that fella on our wall at this stage, you know, the was, ambition of it. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I was crying. But then we went into that bar and I've, you know, it's probably been since Mendez McGregor, do you remember the scenes in the MGM that night? Yes, um, yeah. How blind drunk people were and just so happy. Like, to be fair, yes, it's not a great scene to people that, to see people that balubas, but Irish people can be very content in their intoxication. And that's what met me <laughs> all over, all over Midtown. Like, I, I was in this, the Celtic Rail, and I kind of said to them, lads, I haven't drank, like, I don't, I don't want to be around this action yet. Let's go back down to Dempsey's, I'm sure that's fine. Went to the Dempsey's and the place was literally on fire. I think at one point like, <laughs> it was just just wild. I looked down the road to Legends and I'm like, "That's not that's a no go as well." Because that was meant to be Taylor's after party. Everybody telling me Katie Taylor's going to show up to an after party at three a.m. Are you joking me? <laughs> well, good for them. They sold all their tickets, obviously, because that place again on Wales. Hopper. So we we managed to get like half a point into us in the two hours I was there, but it was just to just to see it to see everybody on the road supporting sport again like that. Uh, supporting Taylor most importantly it I was so happy I went out again I was so happy I didn't just go to bed that night because to see what she means to people again is 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 just crazy to see I'm so I'm so glad I saw it and um although I wouldn't say she'd be proud to see what happened I'm sure it would make <laughs> her very happy to see what happened out there in those streets that night. bringing this great happiness to others you know yeah. would, it, would it sort of change a little bit Peter in terms of you know 
you've been strictly an MMA guy. You said it yourself uh, for many years. You know, MMA has been your thing. And regardless, I mean, we've talked many nights long into the night about boxing and great fights that we've seen and the things that made us into the people and the journalists that we are today. Can you see yourself doing more of those fights now? Because I'm sure, you know, Tyson Fury at Wembley was a great atmosphere as well. You know, when he beat Dillian White a couple of weeks ago, I was actually supposed to go to that fight as well. And I didn't go to it. Jesus. I don't They're know going to stop giving you credentials if you don't, if you keep sh- not showing Well, them. you know, the thing is they won't, Peter, because everybody needs me there. It's that simple. <laughs> That's true. I, I know that. True. They know that, you know. But <laughs> it, it, do you think that you're, you're, you would be more inclined to do that? Because also now, you know, you have a platform and you have an opportunity with Spotify to go and to, to sprinkle your fairy dust on these events. Is this something you want to do in the future? Well, this is the kind of feeling we've come away with. Like, I mean, what's to say it has to be boxing? Like, what, what's to say, like, you know, we couldn't go to even a wrestling event and do that from the MMA eyeballs? Because that's what we did all week. Like, I mean, we never came in there trying to be Don McRae. We never yeah. went in there trying to be Gavin Casey at a 42. Like, none of those guys, because I'm not. Like, I'm not those guys. They're going to be able to, table to talk on this this level, that, like, about the, the skill, about the technique involved in these things a lot more than I will. But we still showed up and did it. Like we showed up and we had two amazing shows an amazing meet and greet. And we left with everyone very content within Spotify, within ourselves. And that's what it feels like now. That's what Ariel and Chuck were talking about immediately after that last podcast is like, this is open to floodgates. Like we need to keep trying to experiment. We need to keep on comparing these events to MMA so people can understand what the UFC used to be and what the UFC used to do for special occasions, which are maybe maybe missing now. For us to sit there and see it and and really have it come crashing home, how little we get at the UFC experience now, because again, as the lad says, they've ran the race, they've already done everything, they're already making money hand over fist. They literally don't need to do anything anymore. They don't need to make a splash because it's all, the, the money's already coming in. But to see it at that event, made us realize how much we're missing with the, with those kind of experiences in the UFC. So I, I, I think we're open to anything now. Like if they let me go to the Formula One this weekend, I'll be on a plane the next hour. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Clark, do you need, do you need, do you need someone to help you with the show? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have this fancy new microphone here that can plug into my phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Peter, I know we've been talking for way too long now and there'll probably be a short conversation after this, but for now, um, Thank you very much for the coverage. It really sort of heightened my experience of it, despite the fact that I didn't go myself and I kicked myself forever for it. But I'm glad you enjoyed it so much. And I'm glad for the joy that you brought me and the joy that Katie brought you and brought everybody. And I can't wait to see you again at ringside sometime soon, pal. Well, you know I love you, Phil. I, I, could, I can never stop thanking you for everything you've done for me in my career. So... Anytime you need me, you know I'm always ready. I stay ready so I don't have to get ready. As a I great think the greatest said. thing I did was to leave that lane open for you last week, but I leave it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Thank Take Thank care. Thank you.